COVID-19 has brought significant challenges to churches and Christian leaders all across Australia. Yet the opportunities to speak to people about the brokenness of the world and the need for an eternal hope in Jesus is greater than it's ever been in Australia. There is no shortage of those who need Jesus and it's going to take hundreds of re-energized churches and hundreds of new churches to reach the lost, which is why we need to keep planting. At the Sydney Planting Conference in November, we'll be exploring the why and the how of the next wave of planting in Sydney and beyond, and how through these plants we can reach those who need Jesus. If you've thought about or are thinking about planting, even in the distant future, or if you are leading a church and want to explore different models for planting and multiplication, and the kind of leader you'll need to be and to look out for to do this well, this is the conference for you. November 27th, 9.30 to 12.30 at Scott's Church, Sydney. Go to genevapush.com to register. LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Sanders. And I'm Maddie Galea. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel centered ministry every week. And it's beginning to look a little bit like Christmas, Maddie. I am keen to hear what sort of quirky, strange things happen in the Galea house at Christmas. In the Galea house, um, I'm not sure. Well, we're a bit quirky. I am half Maltese, so oh, Christmas Day is a big one with 356 of my cousins and <laughs> then their partners and even friends we have a lot of ring-ins on Christmas so there's uh, which is pretty fun uh, people who are come from overseas or just people just in the neighborhood just end up coming and there's always a lot of food and a lot of talking and laughing and it's good well the one thing is proudly a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We'd encourage you to check out their podcast page and uh, particularly have a look at the Establish uh, podcast. It's a great one. And they've been covering a lot of COVID stuff recently. Now, the one thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Christmas 2020. Today we are here with Craig Tucker. Uh, Craig is the lead pastor of Scots Presbyterian Church in Sydney. He's also the director of coaching here at Geneva Push with Kathy Hurd. We've asked Craig on today to talk to us about how he's recalibrated his church's plans for Christmas in light of COVID. Hi, Craig. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Good to have you with us. Uh, I have to great, ask. Great to be here again. It's been a while since you had me back, but it's uh, great to be here. We we love you here. Don't worry. <laughs> um, please tell us favorite Christmas present or Christmas story. Favorite Christmas present or story? Hard to tell. Um, last year at Christmas, someone gave me a large inflatable pool thing that was actually a giant ibis. It was... Now, now, if people don't know Craig, if you follow his Facebook feed, Craig has this sort of fascination with taking photos of bin chickens all around Sydney <laughs> and around the world too. Well, no, they're, um, they're in uh, in the city in Sydney, there are lots of people who need Jesus and there are even slightly more ibis. They're, uh, <laughs> they're, the, they're the bird of the city, they're our emblem. 
Sounds like a great Christmas present. Yeah, thanks, Maddie. <laughs> it was Maddie who gave it to me. Yeah. Anytime, if anyone wants one. Um, so how do you normally approach Christmas and what's been your thinking behind it outside of these COVID times? Yeah, okay. So Scott's Church Sydney, we've been going three years. We're still really working out how to do outreach generally. And we, I feel like we're kind of stumbling around, bumping into the furniture. And we certainly haven't... Uh, done great things in terms of outreach. We've got great intentions. We've tried a few things. Uh, we're still working out what works. So I don't, wouldn't want to say we've you know nailed reaching the city by any stretch of the imagination. And part of that's just been working out how the city's different. Uh, I've been in other places in in suburban Sydney where Christmas is huge. Uh, it's at lots of families. It's the biggest time of the year. People turn up to church. We've run big events in the park, uh, fairs, camel rides, and um, they draw huge crowds. And one of the real head scratches about coming to the city was the city is dead quiet mm. at Christmas. From the beginning of December, uh, everyone is either uh, leaving Sydney on planes to go back to interstate or overseas to wherever their family is. And the little bit of time they have left, there's office functions, there's parties, it's a time to go places. Uh, so church, uh, it's a time we don't run things deliberately in the lead up to Christmas. And uh, Christmas has been really deliberately low key for us the last couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting, you, you know, you talk about Scots has only been going for three years. Mm. Has that kind of been your experience before that, it, you know, generally takes sort of two, three years to sort of build momentum or build a culture or just an understanding of what, you know, you're going to just keep mm. trotting out every year? Yeah, I reckon it's a little slower this time. Um, in the pl previous places I've been, uh, as the suburbs, I kind of knew how it worked. Yeah. You kind of have a bit of a feel on what to do. But I think you look around uh, cities in Australia anyway, and yeah, how you do outreach in the city, there's a few places doing some good things, but generally we're still trying to work that out. Lots of people have moved back to live in the city, but how do we actually connect with them? It's taking, I reckon, it's taking a little longer this time. I'd like to say, yeah, I'm getting better every time, mm. but it's actually taking longer. I think. I mean, I think mm. our listeners are going to appreciate someone <laughs> experiencing you say, "Hey, I'm still, I'm still working things out." But yep. I mean, that's that's the role of a planner mm. to contextualize the mm. mission mm. Uh, and to to not just sort of cut and paste from somewhere else. Yeah. So this year is really interesting for us with Christmas, given COVID, because what we've realised is most of our people come from they didn't don't, didn't grow up in Sydney. They don't have family in Sydney. They normally at Christmas go back over, overseas or interstate, or they might have family come overseas to Australia for Christmas, and none of that's going to happen this year. Mm. State borders, definitely international borders, will be closed. Mm. And a lot of people who we normally wouldn't see are saying, well, I'm going to do a, a, a hot Christmas this year. Uh, we're going to be here. And so that's provided us, we think, with an opportunity. So. We're going, to, we're going to have a crack at doing Christmas uh, church uh, well. We'll do church on Christmas Eve. We'll do church on Christmas Day. It's challenging for everyone with COVID. The one thing you think about when you think about coming to church at Christmas is singing. Mm. And we're not going to be doing that. Uh, we're allowed to have five people. So we'll have a mini choir Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. We'll sing to us. But we'll read through the Christmas story. We'll try and have a short, sharp talk. And we've got some other ideas of things we want to do to try and 
see this as a season, an opportunity because of COVID, where we might be able to do some things differently and try some things at Christmas. So, yep. I mean, I mean hmm. you're, you're a grandfather, a very young grandfather. <laughs> and, and so you're, Thanks, Scott. You know, yeah. Your daughter's in WA, so hmm. you're, you're, like, you know, hmm. you're like a church. You're not going to see your family either. Hmm. So does that mean Scott's is going to be doing sort of a, a, lunch, a lunch activity and actually be, you know, almost be the place for community or are you, are you going to decentralise that and organise sort of decentralised yeah. dinners? Yeah, so we're gonna do we're gonna do meals over Christmas. Uh, we'll start probably with the day before Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after, and we'd like to do lots of meals in homes. Mm. Again, with COVID, it's kind of problematic mm. to do something really big for dinner. And also, quite frankly, even though the restrictions have eased, we have a number of people who are nervous about coming back. We're still persuading our congregation to come back. So persuading them to come to a big shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow Christmas dinner is probably a bridge too far, but to do dinners in groups will probably work for us. We gave that a crack around the October long weekend mm. and we were really surprised at the, the big uptake with that from people uh, who are willing to give it. People who aren't yet willing to come back to church, but willing to actually go to mm. homes and have dinners. We did it at the, the October long weekend. For us, the low times at church, as I said before, are not school holidays. Our people are generally single, married, maybe a baby, professionals. Our dips are all around the public holidays. So that, that sounds like it's good mm. for the insider, but, but mm. what about the outsider? What are you, what are you planning on doing yeah. there? So what we've said is we're going to run dinners over those time because uh, we recognise for a lot of you, uh, this will be a year where possibly Christmas will be on your own or Christmas will feel really different. Mm. Christmas will be a long way from the people you normally do Christmas with. And that's going to be true for a lot of your friends and workmates as well. So we want to do these, uh, do our dinners and say to our hosts, we want you to allow for lots of last minute invites to come because we're going to encourage our 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 people to do lots of that inviting. Now, we're deliberately starting early. The feedback we get as we talk to people is, if you suddenly realise, wow, I'm gonna, I might be doing Christmas lunch, Christmas dinner on my own, to get an invite early, to get that locked in early, is a really good thing. Mm. So we're actually starting this week to say, start inviting, invite people to come along. But we also want to allow for that last minute thing to happen. Mm. One of the challenges for us is our observation is our people don't do hospitality mm. in the way that you would normally uh, think about that being being done. They live in apartments where they house share with others. So it's kind of a bit complicated to negotiate to have a bunch of your friends come over and fill up the place. Christmas might be really complicated with that particularly. Uh, and just generally they tend to socialise in cafes, in restaurants, in parks. And lots of them don't know how to cook. You, mm. you go into their apartments, you look at the kitchen and it's not well used. And, uh, and so to say, uh, open your home up and do the hospitality thing, we've actually realised we need to do a bit of training. Yeah, I was going to say, so yeah, you, yeah, yeah. are you sort of setting up yeah. menu plans and uh, yeah. you know, here's a simple, yeah. quick, quick, easy meal you mm. can all do? Yeah, uh, we, we have thought about that and a little bit of that is going around. The main thing we're going to do is we're going to do an interview about the difference between entertaining and hospitality. Yeah. 
um, entertaining is where you put on a show, you say to people, you really matter because I'm going to spend all my time in the kitchen bringing out fantastic mm-hmm. food. And there's a real temptation at Christmas to do that. Hospitality is when you say, hey, this meal's a bit simpler, but this is about relationships. This meal is about us connecting together over food, not putting on a show and a, and a gastronomic experience for you. And uh, that's the thing. We reckon if we can crack that, our people, they can, they can share recipes, they can make the rest of it work. We just want to give them a vision for the fact this is an opportunity for their non-Christian friends. And we just want to give them a framework for thinking about hospitality. It's about connecting and relationships. Yep. Now, that sounds like a, a whole other episode that I want to come back to in the new year. So with this approach to Christmas, how are you planning on following up um, everyone? Mm. Uh, the other thing we're doing in the lead up to Christmas is we're actually wanting to have a campaign to get people to read the Christmas story with their friends. We're going to give out lots of Luke's Gospels And we're going to encourage people to actually, sometime in December, invite a friend to read Luke 1 and 2 with them Mm. and then continue on with that, if if it it works, to say, why don't you continue on? Some of those invites might actually happen at those Christmas meals and they're going to happen in the the, the lead up to Christmas Day itself, Christmas Eve, day before, as well as Christmas Day. So our key strategy for follow-up is for our people to connect with the people they invite and to see if they can in, get them to open open the New Testament with them and read through Luke. Mm-hmm. We want to help equip them to do that. So we're going to actually do two talks in December on Luke 1 and Luke 2. Our small groups are going to do three studies on Luke 1, 1 and 2. So people might feel like, this is a bit of the Bible I know a little bit about. So when I meet with my friends, we read chapter 1 and I ask if they have questions I might have a crack at answering some of those. And we'll give them a few talking points and things to do that with. So our first strategy with follow-up is we actually want to empower our people and mobilise them to do the follow-up with the people they've brought and to start reading reading the gospel with them. We reckon if we can get that to happen, if we can get that to happen, yeah. then uh, we'll, we'll see them at church later on. Uh, good things will happen if we can get them reading the Bible together. I mean, it's yes, yeah, quite a big mm. emphasis on training your members in hospitality, in opening mm. up Luke's gospel, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm. it, yeah, um, it, it's the season, as you say. There's, a, there's an mm. opportunity, you know, for you to do this every year would mm. be, you know, be a big, a big cost. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, so one of the things we've actually we've actually said is, um, we're not we're not really we don't really care to some extent how many people do it this year. We want to see how many people do it next mm. year. Mm. And we think for a bunch of people, they'll actually say, oh, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. They, we hope they get around to inviting their friend. But when we roll it out next year, they'll say, yeah, that's that thing that I thought was a great idea last year and I didn't take action on. And we'll get them to think about it then. So we're hoping that this starts uh, people thinking about reading the gospel with a friend any time of the year or, or next year. So, yeah, we're really sowing seeds for the longer term in how we want to do that. Well, this is a long episode, so tune in for part two to hear more of Craig Tucker and our toolkit for this week.